Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. recording uh, we were just talking with my guest that i don't know maybe we shouldn't be recording this because we are prepared and unprepared at the same time <laughs> right susan i'm just gonna i'm just gonna bring you in right now uh dr susan bernstone she is uh becoming a, a good friend i would say of mine and we, we enjoy having conversation there is a podcast that probably by now it's already been published. The first one we did together talking about the mental project. That's how we met. And today we are actually getting into what I consider more like my, uh, my channel, which is redefining society. Uh, it used to be called the cyber society, but you know, everybody used cyber. So I just got away from it. And we're really redefining society. Uh, either we, 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 get it or not, either we're part of a direct involvement into this, society is, is always redefining itself, cultural changes. And one thing that really changes is technology. And redefining society is all about, let's stop pretending that we are not affected by technology. Now, even more than two years ago, uh, we are. And uh, even if we go by living our life, we are online, we are on social media, there is now artificial intelligence and they make decisions for us. I'm not sure that's a good idea or not, but we'll get there. And, and so there is a thin line that's getting blurrier and blurrier between the real world and the virtual world or digital world, which that's what we want to talk today. And the reason why I said, I don't know if we should record it is because we got no plan, right, Susan? We just said, let's brainstorm. And maybe from this, there'll be more episodes that we're going to go deep into this conversation of the relationship between technology and psychology. So um, enough about my chatting, uh, introduce yourself one more time, please, for the people that didn't listen to the first episode, and then we'll go from there. Great. Thank you, Marco. And yes, it's so true, because it's like we're just having a recording live a brainstorming session, because we enjoy talking to each other, and uh, we just 
go off on flow and it's just really interesting. So I'm so grateful to be here. This is so exciting for me. And, uh, you know, we had a great conversation about the Mentor Project, as you said. So today we're talking psychology, technology, and the blur of lines. And I just to give a brief overview about myself, um, um, as I'm Dr. Susan Bernstone, and I am been in the field of mental health for over 35 years in a variety of different roles and settings. And I also too have done some podcasting and television talk show production and I'm a host and I teach psychology. So, and I've been interested initially, I was really always interested in the media. That was the technology when I was younger was really television and radio. And that was my technology. So I've always been interested in that. And now with all of this advanced technology, I'm just, it's, it's just a wide field and there's so much to, that we can talk about. So I have lots of different, lots of different things are swirling around my head as usual. And, and I, I, I love this because really we are going to brainstorm a potential serious about this conversation, right? So it's, it, it will be too heavy even for ourselves, maybe to just say, all right, let's talk about you know the metaverse and and how that is affecting. Is that real? Is that not real? Philosophically speaking, yeah, I would say it is real. But b- before we get there, there is a long way to go. So my first thought is let's go back in in time and based on your experience, your your interest, which is very common to my, which is you know mass media. So. <laughs> We can talk about that forever. And and how everything was new and different the first time that, that you saw it. I mean, that applies to everything. If you've never seen something, you don't know about it. You Until you learn, you don't. So our relationship with technology, there's always a beginning. So I'm, I'm getting very philosophical here. But from a psychological perspective, uh, if we look back, what has been our relationship, on your opinion, with technology and, and why now it's so different? Well, you know, it's so, I'm just, again, we're just thinking about this. I'm not necessarily prepared, but it's just some things are in my head, you know, what, what my associations are, what you said. So I'm thinking, first of all, every generation has its advancements and the older generation is always worried about how the younger generation is going to react, right? And the, the, the bad influence and the bad impact. We can go back to telephone. You go back to television. You go back to, you know, all of that. You know, oh, TV, you can't watch too much TV. It's going to hurt your brain. And, you know, and then, then it became the cell phone. The cell phone's not good. And then it became the computer. And now it's all these other type of interactive things. So we can really, I think some things really are the same because it's like the technology does advance. We've seen it in the last few years really advance in terms of its usage. Now, but... But so it's about how you said, how we interact. You know, one of the things I immediately thought of was even with movies, right? With film, going into a movie theater for the first time and when people watching movies and their relationship with the people on the screen. That's a, in, in, in the history of the world, right? That's a relatively recent kind of phenomenon, even if you think about just the whole movie industry. Right. And so and people have relationships with people that they've never met and with cartoon characters and it becomes a part of their life. And I, I see this as a bridge now into, you know, the metaverse and, and, and all of this virtual reality. 
when you say the movies, and of course now we're gonna geek out about about, <laughs> about mass media, whatever that is. But you know, I'm thinking the first time that the Lumiere brothers show the the animation of the train coming towards you, no, you. I mean, we were not there. That we're not that old. Right. People were scared. Right. People were afraid of it. Yeah. And and so the, the first thought is, people were scared probably about. Of cars when they come out. I mean, pretty sure they were. Like, nah, why do I need a car? I mean, even Ford said, you know, if I listen to what people want, they want a faster horse. Right. They don't want a car. But then, yeah, they want a car. <laughs> so that early adopters, and then there is uh, the one that you know, kind of in the middle, and the one that really don't want to get anything to do with it. And so, how do you classify that reaction? I mean, is it that fear attraction reaction to technology, in your opinion? You know, I think it's newness, right? First of all, for some people, it's exciting. And I, I think this is what always comes up for me when we're talking about like, what's the impact and what's the reaction is that we as humans want to put things into like, like we would just want to say, okay, this is true for everything. And I've really been big on underscoring that not everything applies to everyone. There are certain basic things, but we have to be really careful when we talk about things and just be conscious of it, that people react differently, but there are categories. So for some people, certain things might work really well. And for some people, it won't. For some people, they embraced it, whether it's an age, a generational difference, a personality difference, a information processing difference, right? A you know, at one time it was a gender difference, you know, because of the way we reacted in society. There's so many different layers of implications. And so, so getting back to your question, you know, how do I understand like how we embrace it? It's new. Some people are really excited by trying new things, whereas other people don't really like change and are afraid of it. And, and they have their fears and it's about their experiences. So I think it's about, it's about groups. And, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned before uh, in part of your introduction that things have really changed in the past couple of years. Yes, and it's not so much the technology that's changed. The technology has been there for a long time. I don't know how long and different technology has been around. People have been using it. And people who are really in the, in the, in the forefront and, and, you know, experimenting with all this. What's changed in the past few years, in, in, uh, specifically since the pandemic, is that more people had to embrace technology. So what's interesting is how, from a societal perspective, right, we had this pandemic that came, we were forced to be indoors, we had the advantage of having the technology, and so now people are using it even more. And that's making people more comfortable. So I think we're going to see it's going to, contribute to the even more advancement of the usage of the technology. And I think, there's, like I said, there's going to be a lot of good things about it, a lot of advantages, and there's going to be a lot of disadvantages. And most of the thing is just going to be right in, in between, right? I mean, that the, the simplification of good and bad and black and white. Both implications. It just comes back to how we, how we really use it as, as humans and what we do with it. Now, from a from a psychological perspective, um, how how do you see these? Maybe summarizing the 
maybe the fear or the I don't need that. And, you know, I, I just don't want change so much. I mean, I'm assuming it's kind of like that typology of person versus yeah. it's new with blinking light. Let me let me go for it, right? And then and then being forced to use it. Yeah. How how does that go? <laughs> I mean, if you're forced to use... Nobody likes to be told what to do, right? You know? You want somebody to be against something, tell them they have to use it. (laughs) You want them to go the opposite way, tell them that, right? Think about Marco. I'm sure you could think of examples in your life, whether it's technology, career, personal. You know, when someone like was like, you have to do this. It's like, I don't want to have to do this. (laughs) Especially if you have that rebel, uh, you know, mentality. But, but you know, when you when you hear something, I'm going to share with you something on my mind about yeah. the technology thing that's been a theme for me. It's a lens I'm looking through right now, like one of them. And I'd love to also get your opinion about it and your thoughts. Is you know, you've been talking to so many people about technology and the new world, and I'd love to just run this by you and share this and hear what your thoughts are, if that's okay. Sure, I'm right. I'm game. So the lens that I've been looking through with technology is this idea of related to loneliness and connectedness mm-hmm. okay. and seen and not seen. And so what I find is that when people like you were asking about, like embracing the new technology, you know, and maybe even being forced to. So in some senses we were forced to use, like I, I can even be very specific about and address this. So I was a therapist. One of my ha- one of my roles was being an in-person therapist, right? And so when the pandemic hit, I couldn't do work in person anymore. I chose not to, and I had to embrace uh, technology, uh, which I had a little. I had some experience in doing it, but my my full practice wasn't. I had a lot of pushback from patients or clients that said they don't want to use it, and so I had most people did. And then there were people that refused because they just didn't like this idea of communicating on a platform other than being live, sharing personal information over like even a telephone. They didn't want a phone session. They didn't want a a thing. But then when they were in crises, and even though I offered, like, I'll refer you to see somebody who's live. I'm just not doing that. I'm staying virtual. Here's lots of people that are good people that would see you. They're like, no. So they try it. So... Once they tried it, I think they felt like it was safe and they could feel connected. But when I think about like all this mass media that's that's being used, Facebook and all the TikToks and all of that, and it's it's really, really widely used, it's do people feel connected genuinely or don't they? And that's even in the metaverse, which we can get to too. And that's that's one again, one of the lenses. It's like because we, we're taking on false identities, even on face, even something like Facebook, we're taking on false identities. And when one, and, and I'm sorry if I'm getting too psychological here, but when a person takes on um, another personality and it's not them, sometimes it's fun, like when they play games and they're experimenting with different genders and, and it's great. And that opens up a lot of stuff. However, it, 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 where it gets into people feeling disconnected and lonely is because how do you feel connected? The only time you feel connected is when you're being your true self. 
And, and, and that's when you feel connected. Because if you're using a false self, right, this false self, you can't feel connected to people because you're not being the real you. So I do a lot at you, Marco. I want to hear what your immediate thought. Oh, no, no. I, I, I welcome that because it's part of my constant thinking. And so I can come back with a question here, which is, what does, how do I know that the person that I see one-on-one in person is the real you? I can put on different hats. I can put on different clothes. Right, I absolutely. can pretend to be. People do that. Well, so, that's why people feel lonely, right? Because they're doing right. it. But the, 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 all this technology allows for it even more so and puts on even more expectations at times. Okay. I, I love where we're going with this uh, in, a, in an expected uh, turn, but I love it. We spoke uh, last week, two weeks ago, about uh, this phenomenon called Proteus, I believe, which is the the shape shifting god of semi god of the of the sea, and they use the word Proteus now for a phenomenon that happened in the metaverse and multiplayer game, where when you play a character, an avatar. You're, you know, some kind of invincible mage or whatever it is. And, and we don't need technology for that. We can go back to Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. So that's another story, using our fantasy and imagination. Yeah. But um, so people apparently carry on then ca- uh, character characteristic of the avatar that they embrace, right? Which could be great, right? In the real life. So if yeah. they're like a powerful, maybe right. it's a little tiny girl that wants to be a powerful giant and then that empower them in real life and i said well my my comment was but don't you decide to choose that avatar based on how you want to feel anyway so it's not just that you carry that shape shifting you 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 make it consciously so i love your, your your idea on that and then from there maybe it's like we can really start talking about what is real and what is not? I mean, that, is it really this virtual world or sending an email? Does it make you less real? Or being on a chat room back in the days and now you're actually on Zoom, but does it make you less real? Right. So your opinion think, on that? I think that depends on if you're being real. Right? <laughs> that's, that's exactly my point. So I love it because whether it's in person, whether it's with technology. And I also want to just address something, you know, in terms of the avatar and picking your avatar and then using it to be that person. We have actually, and we'll, we'll talk about this more in the future, it's there's technology that's being used to help people in with the virtual world, like to deal with anxiety, to deal with fears, exposure therapy on using the technology. It's it's phenomenal because then what happens is, but here's the key, and this is this is an important piece. In order to take on, from a psychological perspective, to take on that and integrate it and become that, you have to do it and see evidence that you're becoming. It's not so much like you fake it till you make it, but that, like, in, like in the like, for instance, in in psychology, where um, psychologists and therapists and psychiatrists are using this virtual reality technology to help people. Let's say somebody who who needs to do a presentation and they have anxiety about doing presentations. They actually use the virtual world in order to put them up in front of a thing. It feels real. 
and they coach them through their anxiety. And so they're actually doing it. So then there's the evidence in a sense that they can do it and then they can do it in real life. But if they don't, if they don't have the evidence that they can do it, then they're just faking it and they don't feel real and they don't feel connected. I love, I need that. And I'm supposed to do a talk uh, not soon enough. And I am, I'm good when I'm in front of my mic and, <laughs> or meeting with people, but you know, stage, I, you know, I don't know if I have a fear, but you, you kind of think about it. So I love what you said, apart from my own personal uh, experience, but I was talking to someone that we were talking about the application of virtual reality as training. For example, we don't think that it's been going for, for a very long time that pilots, military pilot, jet pilot, they, they train on simulation, commercial pilot as well, astronauts. I mean, it's not that they just get on, on, on an F-16 and they know how to do it. I mean, they've been trained, so it's been going for a while. But then it came into, you know, we were talking about the positivity of this because we always talk about negative stuff. And his point is like, look, we're doing so much. And he mentioned the therapy to overcome fear. Like if you're fear of heights and yeah. you can go into your goggles and experience heights, uh, yeah. that's going to help. So with that, I'm assuming other mental um, topics that, can can you think about other example where where these? Oh yeah, PTSD. It's been used in the military. Right. A lot of things, like you said, it's used in the military. I think everything is it seems to be born there. You know, I'm not. The That's expert. another conversation. Right. That, I'm not expert <laughs> on the military, but I do know that I'm always amazed. Like, oh wow, that came from the military. I, you know, and so the military has been using that. We and the uh, experts in psychology have also been using that type of. Um, technology for that's where it started in terms of using virtual reality for PTSD. And so that's been very effective and not just with psychology, but also in the medical fields. I think I might've mentioned it. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast, but one of the conversations that we had, I learned how it's being used with uh, children that are uh, battling cancer and chemo and, and, and using some of the virtual reality and some of the games actually to get them to deal with what they're experiencing it's just fascinating we have a it's, it's exciting right because it can be really used um but we just need to be aware of of the downside of it and not so, say it's all or nothing yeah no i again it, i'm taking notes because i'm like okay we already have about 20 episodes that we can <laughs> <laughs> we can go for uh so let's go back to this this relationship with with technology and not feeling is real, but it is. Because I can argue from what you just said, that if, if I can cure a pathology, right, with virtual reality or any kind of simulation by convincing that my mind that that is real and then I can apply in reality, I must argue that that is real. If it feels real, it got to be real. If, yeah. I mean, it's not that simple, but... And I, and I think this we don't know a lot, like this study, cause, because some of it is being used for the first time in terms of uh, l in large populations now, you know, I think we will, it'll be exciting to see what the research shows um, that's happening. Because, you know, when I, when I look and see how, you know, interacting some of the games with interacting with, it's blended, it's a hybrid. You're, you're, it's, it's live conversations with the, 
with the technology and with the metaverse and, and with you know virtual reality and you know I've seen it in the movies. I don't participate that much using the technology, but it's kind of interesting, right? And we'll see how how is it going to affect people. I don't know. You know, yeah. it's anything else. It's again, I go back to movies. People have had relationships with people that they never met, and it's affected them in really positive ways. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it caused isolation because they're so busy living in this fantasy world with TV and movie characters, right? Those are the extremes. Not common, but it's extreme. And then on the other hand, you know, now, you, now you're taking it to another, another level, you know? So... Now you can manipulate that. It's not just the, the movie or the TV program that you choose to see. Now you're creating your own fantasy character. You know, Literally. I mean, you, you can recreate. I was just watching an episode of uh, Boba Fett from the Star Wars uh, mm -hmm. trilogy where at a certain point there is the little baby Yoda. I call it baby Yoda, but it's Groku, the little character of the young. I mean, it's not the young Yoda, but it's from his, you know. Um, family, let's say. Um, and then there is uh, Luke Skywalker, you know, a young Mark Hamill that is moving, is talking, it's there about to train it because you know how Star Wars is all about different time and you'd never understand where, where is in the continuum of time there. And then I look at the credits and I'm like, that was actually Mark Hamill, which, you know, it it's not 20 years old anymore, obviously, but he was acting, from what I understand, on the show, not just giving the voice, and then they, they just change his appearance completely. So you can bring back people from yeah. from the death or make them younger or older. Or So what's the relationship there with technology? Well, even, you know, I, I saw this uh, several years ago for the first time, and I was like, for me, it was a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I'm so comfortable with this. But and, but then it was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, I can be in the music industry where they take, you know, they have a live person and then they take a deceased person. Yep, and they they did know, it looks like the person, you know, that's live is singing with the deceased person. And when I initially saw that, I was like, I didn't feel personally comfortable. I It did, you know, you talk about it, you know, allowing the newness in and how people, re I was like, I don't know about this. And then it was like, oh, okay. You know, and then you get used to it. And it's yeah, like, sure, why not? We could sing with Beatles, you know, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so you said comfortable. So I'm going to go with that keyword. And, and with that, I, I want to use the time that we have left of this, you know, jumping around uh, different topics around the, the core topic. And I love your perspective on the way that the new generation deal with. So the native generation that were born with it, I, it blew my mind when I talk to people that are like, oh, you always had a smartphone. You never had to dial anything. <laughs> had to do the, the, the ring around the phone or... Talk to an operator. I, I, I didn't talk to an operator ever to make a number, but, uh, you know, the rotary phone. Yeah, of course, I grew up with that. And and so their interaction with not only the smartphone, but with the virtual interaction and relationship. So they've always had texting. They've always had social media, Facebook, Instagram, and the way that they interact with that is probably, I'm assuming, much different compared with with the people that 
went into that gap, that step between, all right, now we got the internet and before we didn't, so we could compare. So what 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 is that? How do you read the relationship with technology when you're a native and when you are not a native? Well, you know, yeah, I think it's a great question. And you see that, right? And like to think that, you know, kids today have never not had a smartphone, right? But it's funny because I think we've kind of laughed at this in a way, but it's like even the technology that we're using right now to do a podcast, right? So it's called a podcast, but it's radio, right? Like you, you've said oh, yeah. Right. So in some ways, I think that the generation is going to go backwards, in, in not completely. And I don't mean go backwards, but I mean rediscover original things and bring that back because they're going to be so overly tech that it's like, I, and I remember this happened actually, you know, it was like one day, like somebody said, well, you know, we can actually use the smartphone to talk to each other on the phone. It's like, Yes, it's a phone. Like, you know, they were like going to speak live and it's like, that's a phone. Like, we, you know, so it's kind of interesting. But, you know, yeah, they're out like it's the we don't know because it's it's become part of them. Right. They don't leave without their smartphone. You know, they don't leave without. And even as, as adults that we didn't grow up on it. But, you know, when you leave most of us. If we walk out of the house, when we do walk out of the house and we don't have our phone with us, there's it's like leaving part of us, right? And that, I mean, that was the brilliant marketing, but but it's become this. It's become this extension of ourselves. We think about, I think about it, and you can think about this, right? We feel that way. And we didn't grow up with it. It wasn't from the time we, we learned, you know, late in life to use these things. For them, it's going to be really interesting, uh, to see what happens in their future because it's been a part of them for so long. And, and maybe they will look back and there is another technology. I hope it's not going to be brain implant and although, you know, they're working on it. <laughs> but And then look back and be like, oh, yeah, I, you guys use smartphone? Right. <laughs> right. That's going to be nothing, you know. But I think, you know, I mentioned this earlier uh, you know, before we got on, I, I think it's, uh, and I'm not the expert on sci-fi, but, you know, I think we can look at back to sci really good early sci-fi to see what they predicted. And, and, you know, we can get a sense of that too. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens and how it's used. And, you know, that's also a good, an, another idea for another podcast is bringing people from different generations and ask them about the differences in how they view technology. And like I, there's probably things that I wouldn't think to ask, but like a 15 year old would because they already were raised with it, but they wouldn't think about it, right? And there's things that we would know to ask because we weren't. Like it's the assumptions they they make assumptions about the their technology. So it's that would be that would be a really good I think idea the intergenerations and, and how we're, we're looking at technology. That would be very cool. I think I think we get, we need to do it, and, and it makes me it makes me go back in my time where I, I was born in an age where. It, you know, we, we had TV, of course. So for me, TV, it's, it's normal. And a more modern radio, you know, the FM, that wasn't made of wood. We had, like, component to build the stereo. That's As you said, that was technology for me when I was a teenager or a kid. But then I had a chat one time. I was doing a research for in college about mass media. And I interviewed my, my uncle, and he told me a story of when he was a kid in the 
in the 40s and or in the late 30s actually and he and it was the radio and the radio was the technology you will believe the radio like today you say yeah it's on the internet must be true you know never think about propaganda or manipulation or whatever you know the message you know and then we can go a lot into the other story but the point is i think it I think your idea is really good about doing an intergenerational thing because maybe technology means different things for different generation. And I, I think that that would be a great discovery to do. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and so that now we... Because you know, you, I'm sorry, you talk about TV, right? And like TV is still a big thing for our generations, right? Like, you know, a little bit older, a little bit younger. The younger generations, they don't have TVs. They don't watch TV. They watch it on their com on their computer. But it's it's integrated. The programs are integrated in their laptops, their phones, whatever you want to call it. But it's their iPads. But they don't have TVs. They're not buying TVs. Well, even for me, the TV. I haven't had cable or antenna in in a very long time. For me, the TV is just the bigger screen, where I'm streaming, you know, from from somewhere else. And that's that's a really good point too. Yeah. And, I just, just the, and I don't know this. I mean, from the the people that I see, the younger generation, they're not even using bigger screens. Mm. Like they're doing everything. I would like to hear about that too and learn because from what I see and all the young people, they're just doing it on smaller screens. And maybe mm. then they'll start rediscovering the bigger screens. You know, like they're rediscovering vinyl now. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, right? It, it does, you know, they'll, they'll reinvent stuff, but, but it's really what we do with it. So it's all, it's all really, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of advantages and, and it's exciting to see, even just in the pandemic, how we were, it was both, right? It, we were able to stay connected, to see family members and friends that we couldn't see live and, and be with people in hospitals through technology when you couldn't go there live. And then there was the downside to it, you know, the 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 quickness of all of the the falsities and the and the you know the all of the the kind of evil stuff, right? The stuff where it's it's not good and and mm. the misinformation. Oh yeah, we, you know, can, we, we can easily cross into you. You went kind of there, and I, I just you know the yeah, privacy we, aspect of yeah. thing, like in your profession. People were afraid that by not being in person in between the four walls, right. Right. that the, the conversation could leak, right? And be listened to on phone or, which is, let's be honest, I'm not going to bring the cybersecurity side of things, but that's what cybersecurity people need to do is protect their privacy and be sure that not only the manipulation doesn't happen, but also that the information doesn't leak. I mean, this is an entire different story that probably Sean would want to be on it. But um, no, but it's interesting because even with insurance, right? So even when we were doing it live, there was a lot of controversy about what gets shared to the insurance company if there, if, if services were being reimbursed from a medical, medical, psychological, all of that. That so that the security issue has always been there. It's just now added another layer because it's technology. Because how is it, how, and this is where it always comes back in my view to how humans use it, regardless of what it is. And that's that ethical aspect. Yes, it's how you use it. 
And it's not a def- an easy defense because a lot of people will be like, yeah, it's all, everything is good, everything is bad. It depends on how you use it. But you know what? It, it's true. I mean, I, it's yeah. you can negate that. Yeah. Well, I highly suggest to the both of us to, to keep going with this. <laughs> I had a good time, and I, I, we can go in a lot of different places. I like your idea about intergenerational conversation i like your idea about you know the discourse of the false identity and how maybe we do apply that you know even when we think we are in the real world and we we aren't and then and then i think we can go all the way down into i was i want to read this book i'm actually want to talk to to this philosopher that he wrote this book called the reality plus his name is david chalmers and um it's about virtual worlds and the problem of philosophy. So it, 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 he talks about techno-philosophy or philosophy, something like that, where it goes together. You know, it's right there. It's the matrix. So, yeah. yeah. Interested to hear that conversation. And, you know, the other thing, Marco, and we can talk more about this, is because it's so wide, you know, it would be interesting to then narrow in on, like, how technology is being used for good on a specific thing, like in health, in psychology, and then come back out again. So I think it's both. It's like, you know, we, we're, we're, like, we just brainstormed and then maybe going in a little bit deeper to those specific areas and then come back out. I'm up for it. Yeah. I'm up for it. Let's work. So okay. let, let's do it. So for the whole audience, we, we hope you you liked where we went freestyle with this. <laughs> I think there was some uh, some really good uh, moment of hmm, let me think yeah. about that, right? Yeah. yeah. And 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 maybe those are exactly the moment that I want to listen back to this conversation and say episode one, episode two, episode three, and we can certainly do it together. I would love for the audience to follow us on this uh, adventure once we decide to actually start it. And uh, Susan, thank you. Great to hear from them to see what areas they would love to hear more about. You know, like what we think is interesting. Maybe, they, you know, there might be parts that we didn't even realize we said, and they're like, oh, no, oh. that was really interesting. You I'm know, sure we missed a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. So that would love to hear from uh, your listeners. Yeah, some comments. We we obviously we will share it. We will put some links to maybe some resources if you have Susan some some uh, some articles that that you want to share. Something that you have done or that you know other people that you know they they've done. And uh, so I, I say we we're gonna close this one. Stay tuned in redefining society because as you can tell here, I don't know if we're really redefining, but we're documenting this redefinition at least think about it so thank you susan for helping me to think this over and uh always great to be in conversation a lot a lot of fun um thank you everyone i'll we'll, uh, tune in for the next one thank you bug crowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, 
and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.